0: Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking up to train your supervisors and managers, then check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. The sessions are live and virtual, running one hour each month, and I'm going to do it using our popular sketch and seminar, graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. For more information on how you can sign your managers up for this program, just check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. You know, as we start thinking about moving back into some sort of normal, your leaders are going to be ones that are probably going to need some help as well. And helping us with that today is my special guest, Lori Ermey. Now, Lori is somebody who I've known for many years now. She's a certified coach. She's actually just got a certification in executive presence in a virtual world And she is going to tell us how we can support our leaders in a pandemic and beyond. Lots of practical tips here. I know you're going to love Lori. So why don't we quit talking about her? Let's talk to her. It's time for us to buckle that seatbelt. Make sure that personal items under the seat in front of you. It's about time for us to push back from the gate.
1: Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe.
0: Lori Ermey, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Mac. It's great to be here with you.
0: I am really glad we could do this. I have known you now. I want to say it's been about 15 years. Has it been about that long? I think I met you at that Catholic Business Owners Network meeting a long time ago. And that's where we connected through our friend, Marilyn.
2: Marilyn Prakasini.
0: There you go. Yeah. I haven't heard from her in a long time, but uh Anyway, we got to know each other. We uh, met a few times for coffee, talked about some things. And then, of course, I moved away and you are continuing to do your business. And so every now and then we kind of connect and then we go our separate ways. But we've been able to connect, reconnect long enough to agree to do a podcast episode. And so topic today, and we could have done a lot of different ones, but this one I think is relevant. It's supporting leaders in a pandemic and beyond. We're in a pandemic now. Beyond is coming. And obviously, you know how to get us in that transition. So before we look at all the things that you're going to share with us, Lori, I was hoping you could share something with us about your background. Tell us what you do, but more importantly, tell us how you got started.
2: Uh, I've always been a corporate career gal. I started out in sales and marketing with Procter & Gamble. That's where most of my uh, corporate uh, experience came from and moved into sales training, organization development and then ultimately HR leadership. Um, moved to the DC metro area, uh, actually right around 9-11, and um, just found that uh, the corporate grind for many, many years was uh, was a lot. And I had uh, wonderful certifications and experience and a background that many of my uh, mentors were saying, well, why don't you go out on your own? You've got everything you need. You've got the personality, the, you know, consultant experience. So um, after adopting my baby, who's now 14, I uh, hung out my shingle, Um, missed the first year of her life, but uh, said, you know what, I want to make some different choices. And I want to really focus on work where I can make an impact and be um, to service of my clients and not have to just spend so much time navigating political waters, if you will. So yeah, in 2008, the ERMI group was born.
0: So tell me what the ERMI group does. We know who the ERMI of the group is. <laughs> what is? What are some of the things that are in your practice, Lori?
2: Uh, well, and that's evolved. And I actually have to thank you for that. You were uh, very inspirational to me in terms of how uh, you're... Your, An entrepreneur evolves over time. I was very big and broad. If you think of a funnel, I was in that top of the funnel where I could do everything. I can offer lots of services to my clients. So it was initially human capital solutions, quote unquote, uh, leadership development and coaching. Um, And, you know, I certainly can offer those things now. Uh, and I'm really focusing on the leadership coaching, leadership development, uh, women in leadership programs, facilitation. Um, that's really where my sweet spot is right now. Uh, you know I work with lots of other talented uh, you know consultants who I certainly can introduce to my clients to do other kinds of work. but at this stage, I feel that I want to, you know, every day be at my best so that I can offer that to my clients. And, you know, I'm not great at doing a employee handbook anymore. And I don't really want to.
0: <laughs> well, there's plenty of people that get excited about that stuff. So we leave it to them, don't I we?
2: Agree.
1: Yes.
0: So I remember, I'm going to take you back a few years and you, I think it was, because you, you would send out an email, I think you used to send out emails. And one of them was you went on your annual trip someplace, I forget where it was. It's somewhere near the beach, right? That you go on your, your sort of your annual retreat where you reflect and plan for the year. Right. Oh, yeah. And I remember you talking about how you're going to focus your practice on millennials. So mm-hmm. I can't remember what year that was, but I, I would assume it's probably been several years, right? It's been, just... Yeah. So i so where I'm going with this is I want to ask you, does your, I guess not your opinion, but the way you look at millennials has that changed now since they are no longer these kids that are coming in now, they are some of them inching up
2: mm-hmm. into
0: near middle age. If we say middle age starts in their 40s and you know goes to whatever, 55. Do you ha- what, have, what have you observed in that demographic over the years since you were going to focus on them?
2: Yeah, you're right. And I was um, doing lots of research that um, I had hoped to turn into a book, but ended up being keynote speeches and, and good training programs. 2010, maybe. Um, so that was a, a decade. 10 ago. years,
0: yeah. Wow, yeah. almost 11, yeah. And,
2: and what I've observed is what people predicted, because my generation kind of went through the same thing. We jumped into the workforce, you know, all all green and eager, and our egos were fragile and tender, And um, but we had to toughen it up. And um, unfortunately for um, many of the millennials, they were raised by... Doting parents and their hardwiring certainly was—you know how wonderful and amazing they were. So, you know, they they did feel and look entitled, and that was a a big challenge for Gen X and baby boomer managers. I see that changing because now they are—you know—they've grown up. They are parents. They're—you know—they have significant others and bills and property to and mortgages and all that so i you know i I sort of um appreciate because a lot of them are my clients now (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is wonderful um i appreciate where they came from um I, i do think that they bring uh they think very quickly uh they certainly obviously have the technological Uh, experience to just dive right in so all of this virtual stuff that we ended up having to do was no big deal for that generation and then the generation coming up um which i think they're calling gen z i gen um they are being raised by real gen xers who are extremely independent so i'm seeing very much that they're more managing their anxiety and not being all you can be Uh, so it's a very different feel for that group. Um, and they're much more independent, I'm saying.
0: In your research in generations, and I know that wasn't the topic today, but it's a little interesting. Do you think that what we experience in 2020 will have a profound effect on maybe, let's say, Gen Z, like it did with the people that went through the Great Depression? I don't even know what they call that. Is it the traditionalist or the yeah, uh, radio babies or whatever. There's all kinds great, of labels. We just call them, I'll just call them old people. Because right? no. that way, I don't feel old. Right? <laughs> I'm thinking about my mom's generation specifically.
2: Yeah. No. Of course. Um. Yeah. And Tom Brokaw called him the the greatest generation.
0: I think he was talking about the baby boomers, wasn't he?
2: No. No. He was. I think that's
0: about- what he meant. I talked to him. He says, "No, that we are really the greatest."
2: Oh. Okay. So what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what I. I sure, I definitely think there's um, going to be an impact of how they ended up having to do virtual school and be isolated and you know, seeing people die that are within their families from from this pandemic. So um, you know and I also feel that depending on how the parents uh, reacted, to all of this is going to have a direct relationship and correlation to how, what coping skills and resilience uh, that the Generation Z will bring into their adulthood. Um, where, you know, the Depression era, which clearly was my parents, um, they wanted the best for their kids. They didn't, you know, care how they, you know, they wanted to provide because they, they didn't want us to have to go hungry or uh, be without anything. Um, I don't think our generation is, or this Gen Z, they're certainly not without anything. And of course there's a broad, I don't mean to do broad brushstrokes because, you know, there's huge socioeconomic factors to take into consideration. I feel very lucky my daughter, while she might be virtually schooled, ha- still has friends in the neighborhood and we have our little bubble. I mean, there's families that don't have that, you know, and that they weren't able to get meals because they can't go to school. So, you know, of course there's going to be an impact. Um, I just hope that when there is some sense of normalcy, um, that there's also the support, the psychological support that's going to have to happen as well to you know, help them with the coping skills.
0: Yeah. Well, you have a child that's sort of in that demographic right now from what you can see with her friends, how are they handling all this?
2: Uh, Across the spectrum. Um, Now she goes to a private school, so they've been face to face since September. Uh, That's been wonderful. A couple of her colleagues or classmates uh, chose to stay virtual. Uh, So they've had to Experience uh, being apart and still trying to stay connected, which I think is actually a really good skill to have. You know, how do you, you know, connect with your colleagues once you're an adult that may not be right in the desk next to you, right? So building relationships and trust and rapport. So in a way, I think they're building some skills that they wouldn't have otherwise had yet in their young life. Yeah.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out over time. You know, I was uh, talking to my mom the other day and she was complaining. She says, you know, these colleges today, they're making all these kids so liberal and they're so liberal and liberal. And I says, mom, let's think about this a minute. So back in the 1960s, I still remember you saying, hey, look at that long haired hippie radical over there. So remember that those long haired hippie radicals are now aging and they're in their 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're not as radical. There's probably a few holdouts. But, you know, is it possible that over time, as people get older, they start to say, okay, that's how I thought when I was a kid, because I see it, my children are all young adults now, and they have different perspectives on things. And I always say, well, give it a few years, you know, you'll change your perspective as you get older and you start getting impacted by it a little more. Then suddenly, it's not going to be a novelty. Then you're going to say, "Hey, what's wrong with you, young people?" Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, I agree. It's it's sort of comical, and um, I don't know if you you probably know strengths binders, but mm-hmm. one of my strengths is individualization. So I love finding the unique qualities of of any generation or any person. So I just kind of chuckle at you know in, in adult stages of development is another framework and uh, and methodology that we coaches are in love with and and that's just ego development and you're gonna see that across all generations anytime um so yeah i mean now there's some i've met some 70 year olds who still think like they're teenagers <laughs> that could be scary um <laughs> And then more power to them, so
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah, I remember I sat in a talk that you gave, I think it was at the uh, Nova Sherm, and you talked about those stages of development.
1: Wow,
2: you've got a good I,
0: yeah, it's funny. I can remember stuff like that, but I can't remember you know <laughs> where my keys are or my phone is, or anything like that. But so if you, if we go back to that, cause I remember them a little bit, I don't remember the exact breakdowns, but you said like this one stage where like the little kids hear grandma on the phone and they can't, they can't get that she's not inside that little earpiece or whatever. <laughs> so what, what age do you think is going to be the most impressioned by what we've gone through this past year, just based on developmental stages?
2: Mm, that's a very good question. I would say the, probably the, the, the young adults who didn't get their high school graduation and their prom and their first year of college was different and, you know, they've been isolated Mm -hmm. where, you know, normally they might have had that initial freedom. Um, So that might impact their, their authentic, you know, courage to go out and try new things. You know, I can see possibly that, slowing down their desires and, and confidence, uh, you know, to really get out there and explore what the world has to offer that might slow things down for that generation.
0: What do you think? Uh, let's just fast forward. Let's say 20 years, no, not 20 years, 15 years from now, a high school senior who didn't get their prom now has a daughter who is complaining cause she ain't got a date to the prom. What do you think the mom's going to say?
2: I That is a darn good. What do you think they're going to say? They're going
0: to say, you're complaining about that. I didn't get a senior prom. I was locked down. We didn't have a senior. It's the new, I walked uphill both ways in the ice to school, won't it?
2: Yeah, possibly. I never actually went to the prom. <laughs> Poor me.
0: Well, no wonder. <laughs> I, I feel bad for you right now, Lori. Gosh.
2: Uh, 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 so- Sorry to
0: strike a raw nerve with you, but... <laughs>
2: You triggered, you triggered <laughs> the <That's
0: your> question. <laughs> so you would be more empathetic than I would guess, right? But that right. comes from your own experience too.
2: And my other s- superpower strength is positivity. So There
0: you go. Power. Well, I'm glad I could crush that for you today, Lori. <laughs> that was my goal. Come on my podcast. I will break you.
2: That's fabulous.
0: No, I would never do that to you. I'm just curious because these are some of the things that I think leaders need to start wrestling with. I think leaders have been impacted by this as has everybody with a brain and a pulse this past year. And yet they have got to be the ones now who are going to get it all together and help us move as we begin to transition through the remainder of this pandemic and then what happens beyond. And that's really what we wanted to focus today. So what have you learned over this past year? when you have worked to support leaders who are going
2: through this? Well, what I found ironic was the leaders who did not agree with uh, work from home, uh, even before the pandemic, you know, FaceTime's important and we can't possibly be effective. We have all this, you know, class a real estate that, you know, I need, you know, people's butts and seats, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been, Obliterated as a narrative. And they can't really say, My people aren't productive from home, because in fact, most leaders are finding that their people are even more productive and effective and they're working longer hours and there's not, um, it doesn't end, right? I mean, your morning starts at whatever and you're immediately on Zoom or whatever platform all day, every day, and meetings galore and, you know, so I, I think that that's the biggest change is realizing, okay. And in fact, I have clients who are shutting down their offices left and right. I don't wow. know what's going to happen with the commercial real estate market. That's going to have to get, as Disney would say, reimagined. <laughs> the other thing is that um, I did see leaders saying canceling their team whatever retreat or or their team session, um, hoping that. Uh, we were going to be back to the office soon, and then they realized. Well, you know what? We're not going back to the office soon. So why don't we go ahead and give it a try? Well, I I knew it would be okay because uh, I we've been early adopters to technology for for years. I you know when everybody was only face to face coaching, I was doing phone coaching because my clients didn't live anywhere near me. Mm-hmm. And then when these video platforms came on, and it, it felt like you're right there with them. Um, So that was not a hard thing for, for us to, you know, adjust to. And I I think that they realized there is some safety, especially for our more introverted leaders who, if we were in a, in a session in a boardroom, they may not say anything in front of their colleague because it's just too intimidating or, you know, they don't want conflict to ensue. I found that these, you know, more quiet, reserved, employees were much more vocal in the safety of their own little workspace uh, with the, you know, facade of the screen as mm-hmm. protection, And we're saying some amazing things that I don't believe would have come up. Um, the intimacy that we were able to experience in, in this one group session couldn't have happened. And then I used one of the greatest showmen, um, this is me as a sort of final video on and we were all crying you know so i mean it was just amazing that was happening like the brady bunch you know six little you know boxes with this particular team and she said we let's do more of this so i want to encourage leaders you don't have to sacrifice investing in your team because you can't get them together physically It it, you don't need that to have a real meaningful conversation and connection, especially if you're planning it out and you know, thinking it through, what do you want to accomplish? There's so many methods, as, as you know, you've done an amazing job being a thought leader in this space, uh, to leverage all kinds of virtual methodologies, to make sure that you have a quality experience.
0: Well, this would essentially replace like when people would go off and do like ropes courses or, you know, you walk around on hot coals and your bare feet or whatever they do with these things. Now, how do you recapture those or trust falls? Is there a way to do that virtual?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's icebreakers that you can do that get people talking and, and cause really the trust falls were a way to, especially for the kinesthetic learner. Now the, the visual and audio learners hated that stuff. So many people hated going to a ropes <laughs> course. Um, They may not love doing the Zoom team facilitation, but but they're home. I mean, so how bad could it be? Um, One of the icebreakers I like to use is I just say, you know, grab your phone and find a picture that brings you joy. Simple, simple. They find a picture, it brings some joy, and then they have to talk about it. And I'm telling you what, that simple, silly, quick exercise it 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 helps with all those feel good chemicals. Dopamine is up. I mean, it just starts. Everybody feels good. And and guess what? Nobody's got a picture of like their desk or you know <laughs> their work. You know, it's family or a vacation or pets or food or whatever. But you know, and and the stories that come of that, they're building relationships and camaraderie that never would have come out on a ropes course.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that's going to be bad for the ropes course industry, but. Yeah, you know, maybe if you look at what is the outcome that you want from the team building versus, hey, we all went to North Carolina and we were part of a pit crew or competed against other executive teams. And I've never heard it talked about where some of that gets that dopamine spike, which gives you that good feeling like you come back from summer camp, right?
2: Well, and and the the speedway that's adrenaline. So I, I think there is going to be a place for all that again. Um, I, you know, I just think that uh, there's more opportunity for more teams to do things together that they may not otherwise have done because they don't have the budget for going to Indy 500. Um, you know, there. There, I think we, I know in the in the fat 80s and 90s when the economy was booming. People were going to India on, you know, immersion retreats.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I facilitated a week on a cruise ship with a corporate group. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think those days are long behind us.
1: Those are man, that
0: was some good gig right there, man. That's yep. good.
2: Vegas and the IRS certainly sealed the deal there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which well, is, I'm proud to say I didn't ruin it for anybody, but other people sure did.
2: Yeah. I don't want to be on a cruise ship anyway. so No,
0: not anymore. It's completely changed. But, you know, that's maybe a nice segue, isn't it? Because certain things that we would have never thought of, like I was thinking the other day with uh, Disney, they came up with that Star Wars land. Mm-hmm. And the big hook with the Star Wars land was you're going to be immersed with all these characters walking amongst you. You know, who could have predicted when they were planning it that a pandemic would come and that would be the very thing we couldn't do. And yet there was probably one person at the back of the room who was dozing off saying, Yeah, yeah, but if there's a pandemic, this will change your tune. And lo and behold, it happens. You know, so that said, Lori, what does that mean for leaders as they're trying to predict a future without sounding over the top, you know, boy that cried wolf, or on the other extreme totally just saying, well, that's over with, it'll never happen again. I mean, is there going to be a challenge for leaders to try to navigate this?
2: Always, you know, and this is the what 2020 will be known for forevermore. I mean, there was a full stop on how everyone lived and did work and, and even ate or got food i mean so there wasn't anyone who didn't experience something with this pandemic and it may be the first time we all have this in common um, you know we we're, were all impacted somehow some way i i i don't know anyone that hasn't known someone who's died of it or has known someone who knows somebody who's died from it so you know, th- this is this is a big shared complete shift in in how we will hopefully be thinking I think because it's long enough and this goes to neuroscience. You know, we're now hardwired this life. You know, if it was only a month, it wouldn't have had the same impact. This is going to go on for a few more months. This isn't over yet. Um, What I, I hope is that leaders can then be thinking about strategic planning with some more contingencies where those realists who, uh, often got shut down as being negative, uh, or the big optimists who got shut down for being too Pollyanna. Um, their voice can be heard because there's this global experience we've had together.
0: Well, I can think about you know relatives I know that went through the depression that even you know in the '90s and early 2000s were still yelling at the kids for not scraping the peanut butter out of the lid before they threw the jar in the trash. Do you see that 20 or 30 years from now uh somebody who's really been traumatized you know being obsessive hand
2: washing or
0: still wearing a mask just based on cuz you again we go back to your study of the generations do you think that'll have this type of effect too
2: It can and I think that um I'm a big proponent of therapy I do believe that if there are some unhealthy extremes to how all of this has impacted your life, you know, such as a obsessive hand. I mean, there's already these, I mean, there was obsessive hand washing long before a pandemic. Now we really need to have it just to. Well,
0: you wouldn't see that in the bathrooms at the airport in the men's room anyway, because <laughs> you could almost count on one hand the people that wash their hand, not that I watch people in the bathroom. But it always freaked me out a little.
2: Thanks for that visual. I'll yeah. Be able to and recover-
0: never use a stranger's phone. That's the other thing I'll tell you. No. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I, I was also an early adopter to bringing my little sanitary wipes and wiping down my tray table and be, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get sick. I am I'm, hey, I'm the breadwinner. If I go down, the ship sinks.
0: There you go. Yeah. Well, we got to take care of ourselves.
2: So, so yeah, that so, will be good for all of, for all of this. And perhaps, you know, and, and I know maybe it won't get blown off because I know that there are some families that. Yeah, my daughter, she like washes her hand constantly before the pandemic. Well, let's let's get her some help.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's think about so we've talked about how team building will has and has changed and it's actually been effective. But now projecting forward and especially the area that you live, because you are near the neuro center of this country in the Washington, D.C. area. So what are you seeing for the future of work as the pandemic starts to hopefully wind down this year where are we going to be heading now
2: yeah well there's so many you know organizations and companies that have emerged out of this that's the one thing i think has been pretty interesting to watch is is the innovation and creativity that's come from the restaurant industry or uh, you know, like Uber Eats and Instacart and all of that, but you know, there's the same thing coming out from the training and development industry. You know, Mural and Miro and BlueScape, Stormboard. I mean, I never even heard of these things, you know, until a year ago or less. And so, there's no reason that you cannot, you know, use some type of you know tool to help you do anything you might have been doing in front of a room. You know, I mean, I was a big flip chart queen and I'd always get yelled at because I was wasting paper and I'm like, Oh, but I need my flip charts. Then I could take pictures of the flip charts. So I didn't have to take the flip charts with me. Well, now starts at all. I mean, we, we can do it all with a, you know, on screen, which is, is wonderful. So, you know, I, I, and then, you know, there's poll everywhere. There's, you know, word clouds and, you know, Kahoot for quizzes. And I mean, we have everything at our fingertips as long as we are, technically savvy. That's my big advice to people in our industry is you cannot fight unless, you know, your old school's going to limit your opportunity.
0: Do you think this will cure the old school manager that believes that nobody should leave before them and that people are inherently lazy? If you don't see them at their desk, they're not producing. Do you think this is going to cure some of that?
2: If there's always going to be the leaders that believe that their workaholism is the way everyone should be. <laughs> and that again, goes to adult stages of development. If I think I'm right and there are no other reason ways to be right, then you have to be like me, but that no, you cannot change that unless you have a serious amount of coaching and, you know, cause that's a hardwiring belief. You got to change that belief to something new. Like, wow, people can be really effective and still, leave before me uh you know it used to be like oh what's the parking lot test if there were you know cars missing by five o'clock you know then there was something wrong with the company culture You know, i think that this pandemic has been exactly what the millennials have been looking for because they wanted all this flexibility anyway mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to take that away and i think companies who think that they are are foolish i mean i love what re- you're hearing google and you know they're you know work from home forever and they're reimagining what they're going to do with all their space. So, yeah, I think you've got to be thinking out of the box. And I don't think that the small minded uh, old school approach is going to have a place in our future for long.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it probably just accelerated sort of like when the dinosaurs died off. It's just that's been accelerated now and it's not going to work anymore. Well, now let's talk about executives, right? Because they're the company leaders. Now we have a workforce that is probably going to be somewhat distributed and maybe not everybody physically in the office. Based on what you know, because you've just done quite a bit of work in this with being a a certified online facilitator. What are some tips without giving away too much? Because I want people to reach out and hire you to show them how to do this right, Laurie what are some easy things we could do to be better in front of a little green camera dot
2: yeah so i went and uh got certified in um from e and they had a an e virtual facilitation and I, and that was great i learned a lot just around Testing your speakers and making sure your screen. We were joking, you know, my daughter, I see her ceiling when she's online. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, you know, make sure your head and your shoulders and that you have a presence. So there is an executive presence strategy that you've got to be thinking about online. You know, is your Wi Fi working? Is your bandwidth, you know, there's lots of ways to test your bandwidth speedtest.net, fast.com, and then you can see if you need to upgrade there. Your virtual backgrounds got to be careful about that. I've got a couple that I use occasionally, um, but they can distort how you're showing up. And and I'm a big visual person. So if I'm showing, you know, books or whatever uh, to help people, you know, connect with the content, it's not going to work if I got a virtual background. Also, there's this one client who has one that moves, like she's running through a jungle and some people love it. It makes me a little nauseous, but that's (laughs) my equilibrium, Um, like lighting, you know, you've got those selfie ring lights really makes a difference, can really brighten up your face, especially if you're doing a lot of presenting Uh, and knowing the technology platform, right? All my clients, they have something different, blue jeans, go-to meeting, team, Zoom. Um, So having a little bit of knowledge ahead of time, you know, so you're not fumbling when you get there Um, and then have some fun, try to be yourself and bring yourself. You know, if you've got like to use a little humor, it's okay. You, know, you don't have to be the stiff robot. That's
0: great advice. Well, Lori, how can my audience reach out to you? You obviously have done coaching for a long time. If somebody is looking for a coach, if somebody is looking for someone to help them navigate a transition back to the workplace, if somebody's looking for someone to help them be better online, how would my audience find you?
2: www.ermigroup.com is our website. And if you just do info at ermigroup.com, I-N-F-O dot E-R-M-I we will love to get uh, with you and help co-create a strategy or a program that would be you know good for you.
0: Wonderful. Well, Lori, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today and maybe we can have you back because I want to hear some more about some techniques that we can do to be better online since this is our future. So enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And, as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.